We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Stay tuned to the end of the interview, where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes, and all of the show notes are over at theentrepreneurethos.com. As always, thanks for listening. And just so you know, this is the 200th episode of the Entrepreneur Ethos podcast, and I am thrilled that my guest today is Alyssa Colton, a freelance writer, editor, and book coach. Alyssa also writes the show notes for this podcast. And for our 200th episode, I wanted to have her on to talk about what she's learned from working on the show, and I wanted all of you to meet her. Alyssa always knew she wanted to write. Her first love is for writing fiction. She's completed two contemporary novels and a novel based on the life of Queen Anne. Her challenge has been how to make a living at it. She studied English as an undergraduate, worked in publishing for a few years, and then went to graduate school, eventually earning a PhD. She realized as she was finishing up her degree that a full-time academic jobs were hard to come by. At the time, she was also married with a baby. Her husband was an entrepreneur and owned his own store, and she helped him by taking on the books and paperwork tasks. After working in various part-time and temporary roles teaching, writing, and literature, Alyssa moved to writing and editing work in governmental communications and at a nonprofit association. All along the way, she's been writing and taking on freelance work, both writing and editing, learning about marketing, and growing as an entrepreneur. As might be expected, Alyssa has especially liked listening to the shows that feature writers, citing Joanna Penn as being one of her favorites. That early interview with Joanna was the first time she's heard the term authorpreneur, and it has made her rethink the long-standing tradition of having your work vetted by an agent and publisher. She's also been fascinated by the stories of entrepreneurs who have found interesting problems that are trying to solve them, 
In this show, Alyssa and I talk about the challenges and parallels of entrepreneurs and authors and how some of the same skills and attitudes can be invaluable for both. Now, let's get better together. Alyssa Colton, welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. I am so thrilled. (laughs) And people may not know this, but you do all of the show notes for the podcast. The reason why everyone loves the show notes is because of you. And the other thing that's crazy is that you literally listen to every single episode I've ever done, (laughs) which is a little bit weird. Um, And I am just so thrilled to have you on the show. This is the 200th episode of the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast, and it literally would not have happened. And I mean this sincerely without your help and your fantastic uh, professionalism and show notes. So thank you so much for that. You are a writer, an editor, a book coach, all of the cool things. We'll even talk a little bit later about how we actually met, um, which is super cool. But as I always like to say, and which you've probably heard me say almost 200 times, <laughs> tell us how you got to do what you're doing today. Well, thank you, Jari. It's, um, it's been great working on the show. It's, I've learned so much from it. Um, I love listening to it and figuring out kind of the takeaways. You know, I think a lot of times it's easy to just listen to a show and and something might be left with you. But when you actually have to put the ideas together, you know, and, and figure out the messages, you get so much more out of it. So I've gotten so much out of it and um, I'm, I'm just proud to be part of it. It's a great, great program. So how I got to do what I'm doing today. Um, Well, I've always wanted to be a writer since I was, you know, learned how to write. (laughs) I even begged my mother to teach me how to read before kindergarten. Um, So I've always liked books and stories. Um, Pretty much, you know, spent my younger life as that as sort of my touchstone. I guess I'm fortunate in that I always knew that there was something I wanted to do, but it was just figuring out how to do it and, and make a living. That's kind of been my quest. Um, how do I, how can I keep writing and, and make a living at it? Um, and, the, and it turns out there's a lot of different ways to do it. But um, I went to English for college. I worked in publishing in New York City for a while. I learned a lot about editing and book publication. And then I went to grad school um, for English. Um, and then I, I started out in a master's program and I ended up in a PhD program at U- University of Albany. So that's where I still live now, Albany, New York. And um, graduated with a PhD. And about the time I was finishing, I was learning about how difficult it was to get an academic job. Um, so I still went out and tried to get one. Um, but I was also limited because I, by that time I had married and had a child. And actually, my husband was an entrepreneur, he had his own business. So that was kind of a limitation for us. Um, But I kept writing. I got some teaching jobs. I was an adjunct. I got a full-time job for a few years at a local college. um, But that was kind of a limited time. So after that, I just had to start figuring out other ways to to make money. And I worked in um, governmental communications, a nonprofit association. Um, And all the while, just trying to grow my freelance business, freelance writing and editing. People will 
ask me to help them with their books, editing their books. Um, I'll write articles, get them published. You know, the internet has just been uh, an explosion of opportunities for writers um, in particular. So, you know, I've just been really the last few years learning how to market myself, how to build a business, um, and how to really um, just make a living as a writer. And, and the whole time I also write fiction. So that's, that's always been sort of, you know, something I do in the mornings or whenever I can and, and try to get my, my creative writing out there as well. What, what kind of fiction do you write? Um, I've written a few different kinds. Um, uh, two contemporary novels. Um, and then my most recent project is a historical novel. It's actually based on the life of Queen Anne, who mm. ruled in England from 1702 to 1714. Um, I got, I was starting to do research on another kind of project, and I got really fascinated by her her life story um, and all that she dealt with. Because she had, she dealt with, um, she had like 14 miscarriages, and then three of the children she had died. <laughs> Wow. Um, she helped overthrow her father, James, James II. Yes. She was, you know, part of the Glorious Revolution. She wasn't a key player, but she definitely supported it. And then there's a whole story about her and um, Sarah Churchill and the relationship they had. Um, and her basically her affection toward women and how that all played out and the power plays that happened behind that. So there was a movie made called The Favorite um, that came out a few years ago. Um, about that in particular so wow so that's been that was that's been a long project because i had to do a lot of research <laughs> to, to get to it so now yeah, i'm I mean, trying to right. sell that trying to get an agent or publisher interested in it so that's you know what i'm focusing on now and and um starting another historical fiction manuscript that i started uh for NaNoWriMo oh yeah yeah, yeah which is okay. more of a kind of a okay. fun mystery time travel i don't know yet i'm still still figuring it out but it's it's cool. a, supposed to be a bit more fun so yeah cool no i mean historical fiction is is so fascinating because i actually um wrote like a chapter book with my fiance's daughter mm -hmm. where it was a historical fiction kind of you know chapter book kind of thing and you know it's all fantasy but or you know made up but but the historical backdrop the background the layers of like it's historically accurate mm -hmm. it's just embellishment and it's about time travel too because time travel is fun to do yes <laughs> <laughs> and but you're right it's like gosh i had to like research all these things and yeah to make it kind of credible but then yet put the kind of fantasy in there but also Hey, this is plausible. I mean, that's I think what good science fiction, you know, mm -hmm. to choose a different a different uh, genre. Good science fiction has got that hint of wow, this could actually be something that would work, you know? Yeah, yeah, or something yeah. that could actually happen that you yeah. might not want to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it might not want to have happen, but it's a cautionary tale, you know, like yep. the, the Handmaiden Tale or the, the yep. you know Brave New World or 1984, which you know gets a little scary as <laughs> we like yeah. look at the yeah. landscape right exactly um wow cool so so kind of freelance writer entrepreneurial what what is what is your uh, what's your husband's business um we are divorced um and he is no longer in it but he had a just a store in albany um 
he actually started out making and selling tie-dye t-shirts oh. at Grateful Dead shows and then started making jewelry and then started selling other stuff in his store. And I, that's, I actually kind of met him in his store. I, I shopped in his store. Um, he had clothing at the time, mm. um, kind of um, evolved from there, but he really needed help with the sort of paperwork, the accounting, <laughs> Yeah. You know, he liked sales. He liked, he was an art major, um, but he was also very, um, was very much a salesman. Mm. So he ran the store. And then when I came on, I helped him kind of get organized with his paperwork and his bookkeeping. I learned how to do bookkeeping. Um, you know, I learned sort of that kind of basic stuff, which, which was weird to me because, you know, I was an English major and I hated math. <laughs> Yeah, but, no. but it's been really useful, you know. So now I'm like the treasurer of my daughter's swim club. You know? Oh, cool! <laughs> like, yeah, oh, well, I mean, like you... you know, you gotta help us. <laughs> so, yeah, right. Well, you yeah. know, it's it's funny because as entrepreneurs, we have to know a little bit about everything. I mean, I always say you gotta you gotta be know enough to be dangerous, right? But yeah. but it is those fundamentals of business and some of those skills that yeah, if you're <laughs> if you're an engineer math's easy. If you're an art major, sociology, why do I have to learn all this math? Well, here's a great example. Like you want to, one, understand where the money's coming from, but two, also you don't want to get screwed, right? I I think there's a certain amount of, you got to have the sniff test. Like, is this really, am I really, you know, I don't understand this quite, quite right. And if you don't, it can be tough. So, so are you a deadhead? Um, I go to dead shows <laughs> but okay. i also like punk and i like alternative rock and you know so i'm kind of a strange mix <laughs> people look at me and they just can't figure me out but yeah i go to um dead shows um you know when they come around i don't tour after them or anything yeah 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 i like the music yeah it's interesting i was oh, what was i was watching a documentary about them oh, it was uh the guitar player mm-hmm <sighs> they would always call him the pretty one because the rest of them were like, Oh, wow. (laughs) 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 And, uh, he lives, I mean, I live in San Francisco. He lives in Marin, which is across the bay. Is that Bob Weir? Yeah. Bob. Bob Weir. Yeah. Yeah. And they were Bobby uh, as my friend calls him. (laughs) Yeah. Bobby. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby. Right. Yeah, Yeah. So he lives, you know, in Marin and they were talking about him and his show and like how, I mean, he was like 17 or some 16 when he joined the dead. I mean, just some crazy life, you know? And, and he was always the, they called him the handsome one or the pretty one because, you know, pig pen and all of a sudden Jerry Garcia, yeah, you know, great yeah. guys, but, you know, a little hard on the eyes at times. But um, I was always fascinated by sort of the evolution of how, you know, the dead and, and what they, what they represented. And what's interesting is the, the, what built up around them, right. To your point about, people like selling their wares, following the Mm -hmm. dead around. I mean, they were the ultimate touring band, right? Like they, that they had an entire on like their, the infrastructure around the grateful dead was just amazing because it, it actually generated a lot of entrepreneurial spirit, which I found super interesting given counterculture and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting. So I always am fascinated on how things kind of cross over. And, you know, you mentioned that, uh, you know, you, you, you 
you edit books, you're writing your own books. Um, I'm always, I'm always curious from, you know, writer's perspective, when you get sort of these assignments to help people write articles or, you know, do, you know, show notes for awesome podcasts. Um, you know, how, how do you approach that from a, from a writing perspective? Cause I know, you know, I'm a writer too. So my first and foremost kind of thought process is always around telling the story. I mm-hmm. am just obsessed with that in so many different ways. And literally that's what I try to do on the show is weave a narrative and a conversation where it's, you know, interesting yet informative yet entertaining. I mean, hopefully not, hopefully more educational, inspiring than entertaining, although entertaining would be beneficial too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you want to engage people. Right. Right. So how, how, what, what do you think like when it comes to the writing process and the creativity, especially when it comes to business, you know, what, what are some of the things that are like really important when it comes to that? Well, I think one thing that's important is to, you know, um, I've recently started kind of drafting, I guess, you know, a guide of some kind for people who don't really consider themselves writers, but who have to write. Um, because I taught a lot of classes in freshman composition, you know, where all the students are forced to take that class and a lot of them hated being there. <laughs> you know, why do I have to be here? You know, and I had to kind of convince them, you have to learn how to write. Um, and one thing I, I've seen come up again and again is, you know, this sort of these myths that people have, these preconceptions that you have to have it all figured out before you start writing is one big thing, you know. You, so I always would teach my students, um, and this is what I do myself, is you figure it out as you write. You figure it out through writing. Now, some people do it through speaking. Um, that's something I've learned kind of recently, but... For me personally, I figure stuff out through writing. Um, so you don't have to have it all figured out. You just have to sit down and start writing. Um, yeah. Another thing is you don't have to start at the beginning. <laughs> you know, I remember one student, it just had this epiphany when I said that to her. She's like, I don't know where to start. I said, well, just start wherever, you know, whatever comes to mind, just start writing it. You know, you don't have to worry about introducing how you're going to introduce it. Most writers you know, either go back to their, you know, their start um, after they've written it or they don't write it at all. They'll just skip to whatever comes up. You know, it's, it's such a, it's not a very linear process. You know, we're kind of taught that it is, Um, you know, another example is I, I always, I never did the outlines, Hmm. (laughs) you know, remember in school, I don't, I don't think they do this so much anymore, but they made you, um, you know, do the research, then do the outline, then write the paper. Yeah. Well, I always wrote the paper and then did the outline. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I get so that. I, I've come to kind of figure out how to use an outline effectively. Um, but you know, it, it's it's knowing that you don't have to figure it all out before you sit down and write. I think that's. Yeah. I think for anybody who is intimidated by writing, it's a really important key. Um, you know, and I, and I think this, you know, the message you give about storytelling is great. Um, but you might not know your story until you sit down and start working out some ideas, right? You might not see what the story is or know what your story is. It's, it's through the writing um, and the other work that the creative process around it, that the story emerges. So true. So true. Yeah. That's actually a really good point. It's uh 
Yeah, I mean, so so are you more of a, a pantser for that from a NaNoWriMo perspective <laughs> or a planner? Um, I I kind of I guess I'm more of a pantser. I I I have with a big project, you, you kind of do have to have some um, organizational tools. So usually, what happens for the novels that I've written, um, I'll have an idea and I'll just start journaling about it, or maybe writing a scene down. Or you know, just writing some ideas down, um, and then um, once it starts to feel like okay, this is something that I can do more with, that I can grow more with, um, then I'll start sort of trying to feel the shape of it. So, I, and I kind of go back and forth with that. You know, maybe write a scene or two, and then try to do an outline. I use note cards. I even use an Excel spreadsheet for my last oh, that, novel. Full, full disclosure, <laughs> I do that all the time. I'm more of a planner, but, uh-huh. you know, and I always talk with, you know, so I know Grant Faulkner, the executive director of NaNoWriMo. He's uh-huh. one of my friends and he was literally the first episode of this podcast. I actually interviewed him. Oh, I have to go back time. and listen to that Yeah, one. yeah, that yeah. You, that was before, that was pre, pre-Alyssa. So all those show notes were my, my crappy ones. So <laughs> she cannot be held accountable for my, <laughs> and I don't remember how, I mean, it's been such a long time. Um, so yeah. I, don't, I don't even remember where you started. That's how long it's been. Um, but yeah, we, you know, when, when Grant and I would get together and talk about writing uh, and NaNoWriMo, and I think I've done NaNoWriMo three times, mm-hmm. uh, my memoir that's coming out next year, I started in NaNoWriMo. So that was mm-hmm. really cool to sort of see the evolution of it. But yeah. yeah, there's always the great debate about the pantsers and the planners and, oh, I just like let it flow, man. You know, like the whole hippie stuff kind of thing. Yeah. And me, I'm like with my spreadsheet and how many words and what's my controlling yeah. idea and what's the hook that, you know, I'm like, because for me as a, as just engineering mind and kind of like in terms of my writing, I, I, I like to have a plan because I always say you can't change a plan you don't have. Mm-hmm. And the planning process, again, you can't be like so bent about it that you're like, oh man, I just got to plan this whole thing out. Like to your point, like I'm going to write the paper, then write the outline later, which yeah. I'm sure I'm guilty of doing that as well. But the but the the creation process, as you mentioned, is a non-linear thing and similar to entrepreneurship, right? I, I think yeah. writers and entrepreneurs have more in common than they think. Yep, I agree. I've really been learning that. Cause it's, on the show. Yeah. yeah, it's this non-linear process that, you know, you got to start somewhere. I mean, even me, like as an example, I'll, I usually do this on my phone, on my iPhone, but I'll like have an idea and I'll just jot the idea down mm-hmm. and then I'll have another idea. And then I'll be like, Oh, you know, that'd be a good blog post. or that would be a good idea for a, you know, a, a sh- whatever, you know, and, and it's non-linear, like it could just be the middle part or, you know, I actually have a hard time with the hook mm-hmm. and a lot of people have a hard time with the hook. In fact, my new job really, literally my whole, one of the things that we're really good at is that first hook. Mm-hmm. How do I start, start to get into this? Cause that's such a challenge. So yeah. Wow, okay. How do you grab the attention of yeah. somebody who has like two seconds? You know, yeah. Or less. To look right. at your email, which, you know, for many writers, any writers who submit work to editors or to agents, that's something they got to do too. So, well, and just, I think, general business communications. I mean, yep. 
you know, I wrote a book called Story Driven Outreach, which is all about um, cold emails and, you know, building kind of rapport. And what's funny is, you know, you look at the, you look at out there in the landscape, <laughs> especially on the marketing side or whatever PR side. And everyone's like, I want the templates to write great emails. Yeah. And yeah. you can buy a hundred templates that work and this subject line and that subject line. And they got all this data. It should be this, that, and the other thing. And you're like, that's all great. That's all wonderful. But the real challenge that everyone I've ever met, in fact, I'm actually going to build a class on this because it's so important, you know, launching off the story-driven outreach book is all those formulas are great. All of those things are awesome. But if you don't have the strategy and the story to fill the top of it, garbage in equals garbage out. You're not going to get, right? To your point, you need to have that kind of creative idea thing simmering in your head so that you can actually write an effective email. And I just wish more people knew about that. Right. And you, um, I didn't read the whole thing, but I did get through some of it. Um, and what you talk about in there is personalizing it, you know, Correct. and that, yeah. and, and it's, it's about making a connection. Correct. Right? So for things in business, you're trying to make a connection with a specific person, um, marketing and advertising. It's a little less specific, but you have to know who you're going after. So it's all about creating that connection. That's really what it is. So it's, it's, you know, imagining who's my audience, you know, writers do the same stuff, you know, who's my audience? How, how are they going to respond to this? You know, which is why an editor is so important because, Oh yeah. and, And readers, you know, they come in and give you feedback on what you as the writer might be too blind to see, you know, I mean, all writers need an editor, my, because there's just so you know even if you're the greatest editor you know and most editors know they you know if they write something they know they need an editor because there's there's stuff that they will miss you know and i'm not talking about little grammatical stuff i'm talking about just um you know you talk about something and then a reader points out well what did this mean i don't understand that and then you realize oh i have to explain this before i can explain the next thing right so so important to get that feedback um from some you know somebody who might be your customer or your reader or whatever to tell you what what was missing yeah yeah i mean in the and the parallels to entrepreneurship are just as important um, yeah you, you need that feedback loop in order to f- get rid of the blind spots you're going to have. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been in meetings with entrepreneurs and they're just rattle on about their product and product and product. And I'm like, well, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean? The product's awesome. I'm all maybe, but I have no idea why I need this. And right. you're not connecting with me. I really love what you, I wrote this down. Writing is about creating a connection with the reader. Mm-hmm. which which seems obvious, but, and I always like the big but, right? The but, um, I remember when I was writing my memoir about my late wife, Jane, and I's, you know, the journey of our relationship when she had leukemia. And I had, you know, I, writ- I wrote it during NaNoWriMo. So, you know, draft zero, get it out of my head, you know, mm-hmm. very emotional and all that. And I had a bunch of friends read it, a bunch of my story grid, you know, editor friends read it. 
and, you know, kind of going through it and, you know, they're friends of mine. So, you know, they're, they're going to be kind and considerate. Right. And, you know, we started working through it. I had a spreadsheet, you know, <laughs> the whole thing. it's insane. Like the story grid stuff's insane. So oh, I want to see that spreadsheet. Oh yeah. 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 I'll share it with you. It's, <laughs> really? it's, it is, it is amazing. This spreadsheet, right? Okay. So I'll, I'll definitely share it with you. So you know, I'm going through it and I'm working, you know, Leslie was, is a good friend of mine work. She's my editor. We're helping each other out. She's really like, we're going through this thing in a very like methodical way. And, you know, and then I had um, a couple other people read it and I just, you know, I was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm in, in the thing that people, I, I don't know if a lot of people know about this, if they're not a writer, but you know, your writing evolves over time where you start just like a startup, you're going to pivot, you're going to pivot and it sh- it's not going to make sense. And then you need people to get feedback. Right. So I remember going through this and I've, you know, it's taken me to get it to the point it is today. It's taken me five years. Right. And she's basically, I started writing it when Jane died five years ago. So I have like, there's a lot of emotion in this and a lot of like, right. Like, ugh, do I really have to rewrite this yet again? Yeah. yeah. Um, it was really, what was really interesting is that, you know, Leslie and I were talking about this and talking about this. And she's like, I just can't put my finger on why this is like, this is a story that needs to be told. You can clearly write. Some of these scenes are really good. There's just something missing that I can't put my finger on. And we would like rack our brains about this. Right. And then, um, we had another friend, Shelly, come in and had her read it, right? And I actually, she was a, she's a story good editor. I actually had her read it, paid her the whole thing. And then she had another insight because, again, this is like the customer thing. Like, oh, another customer has an, an opinion, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it got to the point where it came back around to your statement. Writing is about creating a connection with the reader. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I wasn't creating a connection with the reader because the emotion and meaning in my words weren't there. Yeah. And it was because I was afraid. Mm-hmm. I was afraid to be vulnerable. Yeah. And that was the epiphany. And I think that also applies to entrepreneurship. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on that, because I mean, you've taught writing, you help people with their books. I mean, you, of course you do the best show notes on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> some insight. Okay, put that on my website. Um, <laughs> well, interestingly enough, I, I this was one of my sort of focus areas in grad school was was how writing helps us heal from trauma and and um, things like that. So you know, this, this really is my uh, area of expertise. Um, so I think I think I've heard you talk about how. Um, you have to be specific to be universal. Yes, yes. And that is, you know, such a um, foundation in writing, you know, and I don't know if that's something that you found you had to add more of or, or how that worked into your process. But, you know, you can say I was sad and, you know, you know, as a friend, I might say, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But if you then, you know, describe specifically what happened, that is what arouses that empathy that Mm -hmm. connection and even if it's something i have never experienced and will you know may never experience um you know there's it's it's about 
it creates connection because there's something in me that would touch me about that. You know, I can, it echoes back to, you know, a friend who died or, you know, what would I have felt like if my spouse had died? You know, you just yeah. um, are, are able to put yourself in that person's shoes more easily than if they say this happened. And it's interesting. It's sort of paradoxical. Um, and, and sometimes it's hard for students to understand that. You know, like, actually, you want to write more specifically about what happened. And also, it's part of it's recreating the sensory details. Yeah, that's how we know the world, right? We know, we know the world through how we smell something, you know, how something smells, what we see, what something feels like, you know, I know the fan is on because I can feel it on my skin. Um, so when you're a reader, reading a book, if you want to grab your reader, bring them into your world you need to describe those sensory experiences yeah so i don't know if that was something that that came into it as well yeah yeah it was so uh, um was interesting is you know there's dialogue and narrative right and those are things that you know in any story mm-hmm. generally you have to have a uh, a trade-off between right how much dialogue how much narrative yeah. and what we, what we came down to which, which I, which I was like, I was actually really proud that I finally cracked a nut because it was, it was, there was, so you have to have the set and setting and emotion and meaning. Mm -hmm. And those four things and kind of like in kind of, you know, I don't know, conjunction with everything are what create a great narrative, which has the narrative drive, which then allows you to, craft what you just mentioned, you know, the kind of the, how the story is going to suck you in. And I know it sounds weird, but funnily enough, that's the same thing with business writing and entrepreneurship. You have Mm -hmm. to not be so generic that any, any knucklehead can do it. You have to have that specificity, specificity creates universality. And that's what, you know, Sean Coyne, over mm-hmm. at the story grid taught me, I mean, among other things, I mean, he's taught me so much, Tim, Tim Grawl as well. I mean, you know, that those guys are the ones that kind of created all that. And what's, what's cool is that once you realize that, and I'd love your comments on this, it just opens up your ability to tell a great story. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's, one of the principles that I try to live by, even on the show, right? So I love nothing more than a good story and a good conversation. And um, I, that's what I want to get across. And I'm curious, you've listened to me drone on for <laughs> over 150 episodes, probably. Two years. <laughs> yeah, two years. Well, every, two entire years. Planet, I think much. it was June 2020. Yeah, June 2020. You reached out to me, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So, um, you know, what, what have you learned about entrepreneurship from, you know, doing the show notes? Oh, geez, so much. (laughs) Um, So there was, you know, I think the storytelling bit and how that can be used, you know, obviously I'm really interested in that, you know, and you've had a lot of um, people on there, writers and authors and storytellers talk about that. So that's, you know, been interesting. Um, you know, what I, 
I did listen to one of the podcasts that I did not write show notes for, and that was Joanna Penn. Um, oh, yes. And yes. I now follow her and I'm, you know, I've read some of her work and I've listened to some of her podcasts because I'm just so fascinated in how, you know, the, I mentioned before, you know, I spent my life trying to figure out how to be a writer, how do I be a writer and make a living, right. you know, and she speaks very much to that, um, you know, and, and this, this concept of authorpreneur. So that was the first time I heard that. Um, yeah, that's all Joanna. Know, that's all Joanna. And, you know, I, I mean, you and I, I think are about the same age and, you know, we, when I was in college, you know, it was, uh, you know, you could email another student. That was about it. <laughs> yeah, that was you, it. Could, you, <laughs> could, you could barely email another Yeah, student. you could barely email. <laughs> and, and you had these crazy listservs. Did you have Yes. That? Yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, the only way to, to really get to be, um, to make a career as an author was to get an agent and get a publishing company. And, you know, and that's still the way a lot of people do it. And you could self-publish, but it was not, you know, seen as a legitimate path, which is, which is kind of funny because some of the biggest writers self-published, Virginia Woolf, <laughs> you yeah. know, she's self-published. Yeah. But that's something, you know, having gone through English programs, English graduate programs, you know, um, I very much imbibe this idea that I had to wait until an agent or a publisher, you know, said, okay, you're good enough. <laughs> you know, and I think that's something I'm still sort of, you know, addressing, you know, which, which way do I want to go here? Right. Um, so beyond that, I think the main lessons I've gotten out of listening to all these shows is you have to find a problem and solve it or help solve it you know and and it's just amazing the different problems that people have found like that one recently he the pocket squares yeah I mean I had no idea you know that there was a, a problem with pocket squares and he's he's making a business around these pocket squares I mean I I just find that so fascinating um yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and there, there's been some other um, people like that who just have found these little areas. Um, another one was Priya Amen and her childcare. Yeah. Finding childcare options. Obviously, I was interested in that because I'm a mother and, you know, a woman. So I really um, liked that she was, you know, trying to build a business around this this problem of childcare during the pandemic. <laughs> You know, which yeah. I my my kids are big enough that I have not had to deal with childcare during the pandemic, and I'm so grateful because <laughs> yeah. it's been a real big challenge for parents with the, with young kids. So, um, and then there was another about an app in response to his wife's experience with menstrual pain. Yep. Okay. I mean, it's just you know it it, and I think you know the other thing you know those were sort of unique um, examples. A lot of the people you've had on are also more sort of, um, I want to, I don't want to say run of the mill, but you know, a lot of marketing people, a lot of, you know, business people, but they're still really interesting because, because of their, their journeys, you know, and all the different ways that they, they got there. Um, and, you know, I think, um, you know, this idea that, you know, they weren't going to accept any limitations. You know, you just got to keep working at it. Um, another one who's always stood out to me, Nicole Brasington, mm -hmm. who um, started a business in order to raise money. 
yeah. for charity. You know, I found that really fascinating. I have a friend who's been who started a nonprofit and is trying to get that off the ground. But she she and her friends started a business in order to fund that that charity, the camp, and um, talked about her experiences as an African American woman. That was really insightful. So, um, you know, I definitely found some repeated threads that I think really helpful, you know, finding a problem, solving it. Also, um, you know, um, innovating as you go along. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. not being stuck on one track. And that's something I can definitely get, you know, I was just saying as a writer, you know, I'm, I'm used to sort of like seeing where things take me. I don't, you know, I might have a vision at the beginning, but I usually more start out with a kernel of an idea and say, okay, what is this? You know, where is this going? Let me follow it. You know, and I think a lot of writers do that. Um, you know, even if you have a vision at the beginning, you have to be ready to sort of give it up, you know, as you were saying before and pivot and go a different direction. You know, you really need that, that flexibility. Um, so those are some things that stood out to me, you know, just all those, those kind of personal skills you need to have of resilience mm. and, you know, believing in yourself, <laughs> yeah. you know, really important. Um, not giving up. Um, yeah. Some, a lot of good lessons. Yeah, there's, it's hard to believe it's been almost 200 shows, huh? Wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm always amazed, you know? Yeah. So what are some of the annoying things about, uh, <laughs> about having to listen to me? <laughs> um, I'm sure people want to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes I think um, there are some times where I kind of want to hear the guests more, <laughs> okay. honestly, I, I, you know, I think, I think you, you want to, you're excited and you want to say, and, and you're good about listening and you're good about asking questions. There's this, I mean, I've been a few times to say, okay, Jerry, you know, let, let them talk. Yeah. <laughs> I can think but, of um, one in particular. <laughs> but, you know, I, I mean, it's, I enjoy them, you know, and I think, I think, you know, it's a casual kind of conversation. So I think that helps the guests feel at ease. You know, um, you give them openings to kind of take it where they want to go. Um, you know, sometimes I'm looking for that. Okay, what are the three takeaways? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Down, and then <laughs> if they don't say it, I got to figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the art uh, in it. That's the art in it too, right? Yeah, that's sometimes I have to kind of work hard just to think about, okay, what is, you know, what is being said underneath the words here? I mean, for the most part, it's been pretty explicit, but there were a few times where I kind of had to work a little bit to get there. Um, but, you know, I figured, hey, if I was wrong, you would, you would correct it. <laughs> I yeah. was totally off. <laughs> yeah. Just so everyone knows, I rarely have to correct anything that you do. I mean, mm -hmm. I know we, we have a running kind of uh, fight about how in the, <laughs> how you want to use someone's last name and I want to use their first name, but that's just. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do have a rhyme and reason to it, but if, you know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I know we, 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 uh, we virtually fight about that. <laughs> 
did not realize that. <laughs> well, a little bit. I mean, I, I, I usually change it, right? Just, oh, to, okay. you know, but um, yeah, <laughs> that's just because of me. I'm just weird. So, okay. So let, let, let more, let them talk a little bit more, try to guide them towards the actionable insights. Okay. That's great feedback. I'm glad. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's always good to uh, have someone that's intimate with the work, you know, just like an editor, right? Like you, yeah. you were basically my editor when it comes to uh, this. Yeah. 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 More of a make sense of the chaos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Alyssa, um, I can't thank you enough to be honest for all the hard work you do on the show. Um, everyone loves the show notes. I get a lot of great compliments from them. They help not only summarize the episode, but also really great organic search. And, you know, the content of them is, is really stellar. I uh, really appreciate you appreciate all you do. I'm so glad that, um, Carrie introduced us <laughs> a long, yeah. almost over, over two, well, longer than that, a long time uh, ago. I think it was like four or five years ago. Four or five years ago. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Cause I, I came on and was doing those blog posts or whatever they yeah. were. Yeah. Yeah. For Jane, I think it was for Jane's agency, yes. right? Yeah. It was. It was. It was. Yeah. It was yeah. Jane. So, and I think she was sick at the time. She was. Kind of, was. Yeah, yeah. I kind of found that out as I was working. And, yeah. uh, so so saddened to hear about her passing even though i didn't know her really know you that well but um, right. you know my heart goes out out to you thank you but thank it's you. been really cool to see your how you've come back from that and how you've worked through it and and how you share it you know your your vulnerability and sharing it i'm really impressed by that thank you so, yeah i mean the show's about again trying to build a more ethical inclusive and resilient world right through education and inspiring people. And uh, part of that inspiration is this is not an easy job. You know, there will be ups and downs. And as you mentioned, I think the ones that you, your takeaway, be resilient, be able to pivot. You have a kernel of an idea, keep on going, but confidence in the skills. I mean, mm -hmm. in a nutshell, that's what you have to build as an entrepreneur. So uh, yeah. It was an absolute honor to talk to you. Oh, thank you, Jay. It's so been an awesome. honor to work with you. Thank you. So awesome that you're the 200th episode. <laughs> thank you. I'm very honored. You're it. You're it. So thanks again. Stay safe. And uh... it was an absolute honor, Alyssa, to have you on the show. I so much appreciate everything you do for the show. The show notes rock <laughs> because of you just a better show and uh i just love your insights and your honesty so uh as promised here are some actionable insights that i learned from my interview with Alyssa. don't feel you have to know exactly what you want to say before you write many people figure out what they're trying to say through writing the organization of your ideas can come later and i really believe this i always have this idea of this thing called draft zero and draft zero is just a complete and utter mess. But what I have to do is get all of the stuff rattling around in my brain on a piece of paper or in, a, in an editor so that it's out of my brain and it lives somewhere, right? You're, you're the, the space in your head 
has to have, get emptied onto the page. And so for entrepreneurs, this is especially important as well. If you're doing a marketing plan or anything, you need to write this stuff down, get it out of your head. So when you're asking yourself questions like, how am I going to get this piece of writing done? How am I going to get this copy done? Oh, it's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect. I mean, you know, you're going to need multiple drafts, but draft zero, just remember, I need to get draft zero down. Similarly, don't feel like you have to start at the beginning when you start. Just start by brainstorming and writing down ideas as they come to you. Most writers rewrite their beginnings because it's so critical to get the reader interested. Yes. So I sometimes have a hard time actually starting. I can end it. I know where I need to go. This is the same for copyright, especially if you're going to write a sales page or anything, entrepreneurial, marketing, collateral, whatever. You can start, excuse me, with the end in sight. Then work your way up. How do you set up the beginning to pay off the end? Sometimes that's easier to do. Sometimes it's easier to start in the middle. Sometimes you have an idea for the beginning and oh, it's going to change because your ending changed. So, you know, don't, don't get hung up on it. Sometimes you just need to ask these questions like, what am I trying to get out of this piece of writing? Is this a landing page? What is this landing page trying to do? What's the call to action? How am I going to start it? Are there multiple ways I can start it? If it's an email, if it's a cold email, maybe you have a bunch of different subject lines. How could I start? You know, it, it's, it seems, I know sometimes maybe counterintuitive, but uh, if you just put stuff on in the page, on the, on the editor, you'll, you'll get your ideas going. And then if you get stuck, sometimes you can come by and like look at all the ideas. And so just try to ask yourself questions like, how can I just get it out of my head onto the page? That'll help a lot. Good writing is about connecting with your reader. One key tool for making a connection is being specific and using sensory details when describing events. Another tool writers use is to get input from readers and or editors to help them see where their blind spots are. Now, this is actually a really important thing about writing that I have learned the hard way. <laughs> and this is also for writing copy of any kind. You need to be specific to make it universal. And the reason why that's so important is specificity creates universality because the people that are reading your copy, your writing, your book, your whatever it is, the details matter a lot because they, you want to paint a picture. You want to like show as opposed to tell. And if you make it too generic, they can't interpret. It's just not enough detail. So what happens is when people read a specific thing, like, hey, you know, I'm, as an example, you know, you're walking to the store and you see, you know, the blue Chevy Nova and you remind yourself of your old car or whatever, like those details, that invokes the memory of those specific details in that reader's life. And sometimes this could be hard to do, especially if you're in marketing and sales and you're trying to write copy because there's all this idea of just generic. You never want to be generic no matter what. So ask yourself the questions of how can I make this more specific? How can I craft a narrative and words that show in the reader's mind as opposed to telling them. And this is hard to do, you know, because you're going to, if you're an entrepreneur and you're writing copy or you're writing website, you're going to get a lot of pushback. Like we need to make this more broad or whatever. Well, always start with the narrow and you can always broaden it out. Right. But just remember that 
specificity equals universality. Okay, there you have it. The awesome actionable insights from my stellar interview with someone that I respect a lot that makes this show what it is today and happens to be the 200th episode of the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.